Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Real World Productivity Podcast. I'm Adam Moody, and today I'm talking with Amy Donaldson. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Definitely. Well, we're just going to jump right in as usual. Uh, my first question is about you, your background and experience, so uh, we can kind of get everybody on the same page. Um, obviously, I got a little chance to catch up with you before we went live. So if you don't mind, could you tell everyone a little bit about yourself as much as you uh, want to about your background and experience? Yes. Um, so I have extensive background in real estate. Um, started selling real estate just before the crash. And so I, I, I really had to learn quickly how to be very, very good and how to be very, very intentional. Um, as soon as the crash ended, I eventually rose to you know, be in the top 10% of real estate agents in my area. Um, and now I'm mostly coaching real estate agents. Um, started teaching the licensing course in 2014. Um, wrote a book for real estate agents that was, it really was born from the questions, you know, after having a couple hundred people go through my class and then get licensed, the questions that they had, the areas that they struggled when I started to see patterns, um, the book basically just answers those questions, solves those problems. <laughs> uh, so with that as your background, you know, I would assume like any profession, um, you know, productivity, time management, all that really comes into it. Um, I'm kind of curious on your take, uh, you know, I think that with a lot of people, there's no traditional training. It's not like we went to productivity college or anything like that. <laughs> but for yourself, you know, did there come a point where you said, oh, I need um, to work on my time management? Or did it just kind of come to you as like at each step, you just have to improve and that's kind of how it happened? Well, it kind of, it was essential from the beginning. Um, I'm also, you know, a single mom. Mm -hmm. So I had, I mean, are you still a single mom once they're 21 and independent? I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to say yes, but I don't know. I'm a guy and I don't have kids. So <laughs> right. So, but anyway, I was, I was getting into real estate at a very difficult time. And as a single mother who part of what that being a single mom means is that you're juggling everything, right? You're both mom and dad. You're the primary breadwinner. You're also the lunch maker and the taxi driver and everything plus needing to fulfill all of your clients needs. So I, it, it's kind of one of those things where I didn't have the luxury of being able to like not be successful. And the time management piece, it just seemed to me, it was, it was very organic how mm -hmm. when there's so much stuff to do, I don't know if you're familiar with Stephen Covey's The Big Rocks. Mm -hmm. yeah, oh yeah. Okay, where, well, so for, for anyone listening who's not familiar, essentially, you know, there's a container, you put a few big rocks in it and ask if the container's full, um, but then you can add in little pebbles and it's even more full, and then you can add in sand and it's even, and then you can add in water and now it's like really full, yeah. but if you had added the water first, you're never going to be able to put your, your big rocks in. So the big rocks are your family, you know, the big rocks are, are my daughter um, my livelihood, my home, my other relationships. Um, and for me, my daughter always came first and I knew that. So before being a single mom, I was a stay at home mom. Mm -hmm. And I knew that that was the most important thing to me. I didn't want to miss field trips. I didn't want to, to miss out on her growing up. And so, um, 
I would, I would, so I just kind of stumbled upon this organically because I knew that if I told a client, I can't show that house today because I'm going on a field trip, that that might not reflect so well and that could cost me business. Mm. So I kind of organically figured out that I'm putting the, the field trip on my calendar and if somebody wants to go do so, I would say, you know what, I have an appointment at that time, but I'm available at 3.30 with that work for you. And what I learned, and it was, that was very scary for me at first. So yeah. I, when real estate agents have a hard time setting these boundaries, I get it. It was terrifying for me. It was a huge leap of faith that first time that I put my daughter on my calendar and told a client no. But what I learned was they began to respect me more. They were more drawn to me and they were willing to wait. Um, so for me, I'm super passionate about helping real estate agents in this way because I know how scary it is for them. But regardless of it, everybody needs to work and they need their, and I think that right now with this quarantine going on, people are feeling that more than ever. Um, but so for whatever, whatever it is, whether you're the primary breadwinner or not, but if you need those clients and you need, I know how scary it is to tell them no, but I also know how powerful it is and how important it is and how it, um, it increases the respect that your clients have for you. And so that allowed me to start taking more and more control over my calendar. Definitely. Would, I think that. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I definitely want to talk some more about that. And I'm smiling, which nobody can see, of course, on the podcast. <laughs> but I, uh, this came up for me yesterday. Um, I do client work and, uh, you know, it's something that I've had to work on. And I think anyone who works with clients, you know, it's setting up those boundaries. And something I've started doing over the last couple of years is starting to write that into contracts and proposals is, you know, um, let's say we have a weekly meeting and I say, I will do my best to do ad hoc meetings if you can't make it. But, you know, otherwise I need 48 hour heads up. And so I had yes. a client, had some issues, couldn't make our regular call. Um, but they, for what happened, they kind of did a no call, no show. And, and it turned out to not be their fault. But they sent me an email the next day and said, well, can we meet right now? And I had two options. I could say yes. Yeah. Um, but I was already um, headed out the door to go to dinner and it was date night with my wife. And, you know, some people would say, well, you got to, you got to do the business. And like yourself, I put my life in, in front of it and the relationships. And I'm not saying that I would never help someone, but if I don't respect my time, then nobody else is going to. And so I had to write them back and say, hey, I appreciate that you want me to do this extra thing for you. What I can do is instead of waiting 48 hours, let's just schedule it tomorrow and kind of meet them halfway. Well, and here's, I, I love that example. That's, a, that's such a perfect, because that is the exact scenario that real estate agents and all entrepreneurs find themselves in all the time. And if you don't believe me, just ask someone who's married to one. <laughs> like you're what you yeah. might not be as aware of it as you, like your wife knows for yeah. sure. Especially if you start violating that the, the spouses of entrepreneurs, they know they feel it. Um, but, but the thing is what, what I've learned over, and it took me a while to learn this. And I think that's also why I'm so passionate. I know that this, I know that this is the truth, but I know that this truth kind of hides from us. So the, the truth is when somebody asks you, Hey, are you available right now? We feel the pressure and the weight of that. And we believe they expect us to say yes. Yep. The truth is they don't expect us to say yes. Right. They, yep. They're, they're just trying, like, if you're available, I'm free now. If you're free now, that's 
cool. If not, we'll make an appointment. Is real that that's the full thought when somebody says, How about right now? But as an entrepreneur and somebody who needs the business, we feel like it's hey, here's your opportunity. I'm available right now. You better grab this opportunity. Your wife will wait. She's married to you. So she'll still be there tomorrow, <laughs> but I might not be. Yep. Yeah. That's what we hear. And the reality is that's not what they're saying. They're saying, are you free now? And when, when, and, and I, and I, the only way to really learn that is when you say, no, but I have time tomorrow. And like every time they say, oh, cool. Or they say, oh, tomorrow doesn't work for me. How about the next? Like, it, it never are they like, well, man, you just lost an opportunity. Hope that's a great dinner. Hope your dinner yeah. with your wife. I was about to say, if they do say that, then that's good. You just saved your, yourself from working with that person. So. <laughs> exactly. That's, and that was going to be my next comment is yeah. that if somebody ever does, it's like, well, thank God, because you don't, you don't want that person as a client. So it's this like weird myth that, that when you really take, when you take a step back and look at it, you go, gosh. Somebody who really did feel that way, that's not my people. Yeah. That is not my people. And I certainly don't want the people closest in my life who love me the most and who I care about the most, whether it's your kid or your spouse or the, the person that you actually have plans with, they were important enough for you to put them on your calendar. You don't want to put that person aside for somebody who's going to essentially treat you like a doormat. Yeah, definitely. Couldn't agree more. So. Um, yeah, I really like that. And I think that that's something that transcends, you know, both what I do, what you do. I think that that's a, there's a great lesson, uh, for everyone in that. And just, it, it's tough. Like you said, I think we, I know I gloss over that. It's tough. I still get used to this and, or, and force myself. I'm, I reread that email I wrote to my client like three times. And I was like, God, I've said this before. Like, why am I nervous? You know, but it's just human nature. We want, most people want to help people. I want to be available. I want to help my client, but I got to say, whoa, hold on. If I do that, yeah, you know, what am I getting, what am I actually signing on for? And I'm disrespecting my own time. So no. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is you don't even need to respond to that email immediately. Yeah. And it feels, especially when someone's like, Hey, I'm available now. Or if you're free, you don't need to answer that. You can answer that tomorrow and be like, oh, yeah, I was at dinner with my wife. Sorry, Jim's just now seeing this. They'll figure out you're not available. Yeah. Yep. Like you don't even have to make yourself available to answer the email to tell them no. Which is good. So there we go. Here's a uh, time management uh, tactic for everyone that don't worry about it. You know, go ahead, set yourself that reminder so that you're not, you know, thinking, oh, God, what if I forget? And then just go on about your day instead of, because I know like most people, I sit there and I'm like, I'll reread, like I said, that email three times. So instead of doing that, I like that better. Just, you know, go on about it if you already have something scheduled and get to it when you're supposed to. Yeah. And keep, I mean, for me, when the more committed I became to my calendar, the more productive I actually was. Because you can very clearly see what fits, what doesn't fit. Yeah. You know, and do you mind if we talk about this a little bit? Because I think this is important. And to be honest, it's something that I didn't do for a long time. And yeah. just over the past few years, you know, realizing even more, it's becoming more and more important as time goes on. Uh, and what I'm referring to is just using my calendar instead of saying, well, I have a task list and hey, I prioritized it and hey, I'm focusing on the important, actually using your calendar uh, to fit those in and saying, what do I actually have time to do? Is that something you kind of started doing or is it something you grew into or when did you start that? I started that pretty early on. As soon as I really started getting busy as a real estate agent and feeling pulled in different directions. And during the recession, it being a real estate agent was exhausting because homes would sit on the market 
for many, many months. Mm. And what that, what that meant, if you were working with a buyer, um, is that buyers had the opportunity to just look at an endless number of houses, you know, to make sure they were making the best decision. So I kind of had to learn to set boundaries around that as well. Um, which I'll get into to that in a moment. There's a different boundary there that um, also was hugely productive. But I, but I learned that people would want to go see houses at all different hours. And it, complete, it was completely unnecessary. That house was going to be there next week and next month and probably three months from now. So I don't need to jump for them. Um, but I always needed more clients, right? Like you always need to be filling your pipeline because mm -hmm. no matter what you do for a living, if you're the business owner, your primary, your primary job is getting more clients and your secondary job is the thing that you do. So whether you own a gym or you're a real estate agent or you do digital marketing, your primary job is getting more clients. Secondary job is doing the thing. So once that clicked for me, then I put on my calendar two hours every single day that I would work on finding new clients. And then that did not move. If, if something else needed to fit in there, then that needed to actually get rescheduled on my calendar and move to a different time. It's so it's not just like, well, I know that from nine to 11, that's what I'm doing. It was legitimately on my calendar so that if I wanted to put something out, you know, back in the day when we used paper calendars, I'd actually have to cross it out. Now I, it's easier to just move. Yeah. But, but it's on your calendar and therefore it happens. You see it every single day. And what's most important is if somebody would, um, they'd say, Hey, I want to go see this house tomorrow at 10 AM, but nine to 11 is my prospecting time. Now I don't feel like I need to say yes and be available and know that if I don't prospect, it's not like the prospecting's waiting for me. Right. Yeah. N nobody's going to know, but instead I would look at my calendar and see, Ooh, okay. I'd, I have an appointment from nine to 11. That house is 30 minutes away. So I can be there at 1130. So you don't need to tell people. That's the other thing is it's none of their business what I'm doing. I don't need to tell people if I'm at a field trip. I don't need to tell them if I'm prospecting. I don't tell them like, oh, well, that's my prospecting time, right? Yep. I would just say, oh, you know what? I've got an appointment at that time. How about 1130? Yep. And I also learned that when I started meet, working with clients, I would ask them about their schedule and I would tell them that the afternoons are actually better for me to go looking at houses. So that also reduced the amount of times that somebody would even suggest the 1030 time slot. Yep. Right. And I started, and, and here's the other thing. People want to be so accommodating that what they don't understand is that if a client and, and in today's market, it's very, well, aside from the quarantine. Yeah. Um, so I guess in last month's market, <laughs> um, it, homes would stay on the market very, very short period of time, often with multiple offers. So like, the, when something came on on the market, you need to be out there immediately that same day. So training your clients, letting them know that, you know, 1130 to seven are the, the hours that are best for me. Now, when they shoot you, they're going to be like, hey, can we go see this at noon? Can we go see this at 1130? So you're not going to, you're, you're really protecting that time, um, setting that up up front and realizing that our clients, they don't want us to stand on our head 10 different ways for them, right? As, as a real estate agent, when you're working with a buyer, what your client wants is they wanna get the house. Mm -hmm. 
that's at the end of the day, that's what they want. And their immediate need is they want to see the house. So they might've said, can we go look at this tomorrow at 1030? They don't want to see it at 1030. They want to see it. Yep. So getting, getting clear about that instead of, you know, when you live in fear that you're always going to lose a client, it's, you just want to do everything that they say. But when you sit down, have a consultation with them right off the bat, that set the boundaries that need to be set. They don't feel like you're telling them no, they feel like you're serving them. Yeah. Well, I think you've touched on two really important things, which is one is kind of finding out what the most important task is for your business or you, um, whatever that may be, and kind of doing that first, whether it's kind of approaching it as like eating the frog or putting the most important stuff up front, however you want to call it. Uh, But then also finding out what it is that your target demographic wants. It's like you said, it's not, they don't want to go see a house at 1030. They want to get to buy the house that they want and how that happens. So long as it doesn't cause them pain and suffering, they probably don't care. And I think that's, those are two things across markets, right? Is fulfilling what people want. Don't assume, you know, maybe go out and ask them and then putting that most important part up front, which for a lot of business owners is prospecting or driving sales. Well, and really putting yourself on the consumer side and starting to pay attention in situations where you are the consumer. So when I go to a doctor's office, for example, I expect there to be somebody that greets me and I really hope that's actually not the doctor. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, I mean, seriously, like agents are afraid to hire assistants when they're like, oh, but my clients want me. It's like, you know, you do look as a, as an agent, you you're safe being the one for yeah. everything. So like pull the ego back a little bit. <laughs> but also if somebody else does some of your client intake for you and ask them that actually comes off as very, very professional. If I had two different experiences at doctors or let's not even say it's because most doctors for sure, but like a massage therapist, maybe independent and maybe not. And a massage therapist, if they're the person that take that does the intake, I'm going to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. But honestly, if I go to a different massage therapist and there's somebody else that does the intake, that's going to feel better to me as an, as a client experience. And so real estate agents often don't understand that when they start getting ready to hire somebody and to take some stuff off of their plate, how much more productive they can be and that it's not a turn off to the, it's actually a turn on to mm-hmm. their clients. They don't feel, um, like they don't feel put off, but then that also brings me to another thing, having a client intake process, right? So very, very early on, I had sheets, you know, for buyers and for sellers that basically had, you know, a bunch of questions for them to fill out. And I teach this to agents who often will say, you know, I don't, I don't want to inconvenience them. I don't want to, but it's not, it makes them feel served. When I go into the doctor's office and I have to fill out, let them know like what allergies I have or at the massage place, let them know, you know, I have to circle the places where I have chronic pain, all those sorts of things. I don't feel inconvenienced by the 15 minutes. I feel served. I feel confident that this person's not going to injure me further, Mm -hmm. that they're not going to prescribe something to me that I'm deadly allergic to. Um, you know, that I feel cared for. And that's the same thing with our clients. Um, you know, and then eventually in my career, I kind of next leveled it because I would literally have my buyers fill out the form, you know, that's, you know, how many bathrooms do you want? What do you need a fence backyard? That kind of stuff. But when I next leveled it, then the top portion of that form where it asks for their name. I then started asking, you know, their name and contact information. I eventually started asking for their birth date and the name of their favorite restaurant. 
which almost everyone would give me that information. And now I knew their birth date and their favorite restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's great. Which was, you know, and I had a file on everybody. And then it was super useful because then the other thing that agents struggle with, they've got all their stuff about getting business, but then staying in contact long-term with their clients and what are good client gifts, what are good closing gifts, what are, you know, so finding out what it is. And as I would go through the home buying process with somebody now, if I had a file on people at a place where I could, you know, if I learn, okay, I know their favorite restaurant. So that's all a gift card to their favorite restaurant. That's always an easy, safe closing gift, birthday gift, and whatever you want. Right. Yep. But as you learn more things about them, you learn maybe their kids' birthdays or their favorite um, sports teams or stuff like that. You have a place to go back to, you know, that I'm going to, okay, I'm going to go make a note and write that down. And the efficiency that might not seem like a huge productivity hack, but it is because of how much time agents think, what should I get this client for this? It's, and it feels so good when people are like, Oh my God, that's my favorite restaurant. How did you know? And you just say, I pay attention. I know it's my job to know these things. Yeah. I've got to say I've sold one house and the agent we used. Yeah. We, I now follow her on Instagram. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, she did an awesome job. So like forever, if I ever move back upstate New York, I know who I'm going to call. Um, it was an amazing experience and it was a real contrast. And like then seeing what she does, it's like, Oh, she's busy, but you know, just yes. those little things she's planted those seeds for, she's not going to save time. She would have an instant client if I ever moved back there and needed to buy a house. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That saves her a lot of time. Yeah. Which is massive and makes her a lot of money. It's the same thing. I think, you know, onboarding people, whether you're selling a course, whether you've got a different small business, uh, I think there's a lot of truth to that. That uh, uh, Matt Barnett, I interviewed him. He's the founder of Bonjoro. Um, I believe it was him. Uh, he said, automate the processes, not the relationships, or he quoted That's- someone else who said that. And I think that that's, you know, that falls perfectly into this is, you know, hey, get that information from people, put it in your file, have a reminder pop up, and then, you know, then take over the relationship part of it. Yes. And it just, the relationships can grow so deep when you don't have to think about this. And now, you know, when I first started, we, we didn't really have CRMs, right? I, I literally had, um, I had 12 folders, January, February, March. And each one of them, 31 days or 28 days or however many. Um, and I would put stuff. So if I was calling, you know, if I, if I called someone that was maybe going to list, you know, in the summer and now I want to follow up with them next, I put it in the next month folder. Or if the next time I want to contact this person is on their birthday, I put it on that folder. So it's like every day I would open up my little folders and have all these pieces of paper, which thank goodness now we have CRMs yeah. and I'm not moving all these papers around. Um, but it's the same concept of just when do I need to know this information and don't rely on your brain to remember stuff. One of my favorite things, I think it was Einstein that, um, that taught this, our brain is not using our brain for memory is such a waste of our brain was not meant for remembering things Mm -hmm. that that's a, what did he say? That's a huge waste of imagine it's our brain is for imagination and thinking not so anything that's a when you hear yourself thinking like oh i'll remember no i literally have take the trash out on my calendar for every wednesday that's good we're in we're in the same group i had someone make fun of me because they saw my calendar and it had a floss on it and they were like you gotta <laughs> have a calendar done i was like look probably not but i said hey if it's on there i guarantee you it gets done so 
I don't feel bad yeah. about it. I have all my running on my calendar. Yeah. Okay. Let's, wonder. Yeah. Let's talk about this real quick. Cause I saw in the background and I noticed this after we started the podcast, I see a lot of race numbers. Uh, Oh, Hey, some medals over there too. So, uh, what uh, part do you find running coming in and exercise as being part of, uh, you know, productivity and effective time management? I personally feel it plays a huge role as a runner. Uh, but I'm curious yes. for you, how you feel about this. Running and productivity. Mm -hmm. um, well, if running is important to you, if you're a long distance runner, then sometimes that, you know, you need to carve out three hours at a time to go on a run. So you, you cannot be a long distance runner and be successful unless you have some productivity hacks. It forces, you know, it's like one of those, it's just, it's just one of those big rocks. Yep. Um, also, I know I'm such a nerd. Most of my friends listen to music while they run. Mm -hmm. I will listen to podcasts yeah. or audiobooks. <laughs> and I know I'm so, like, people make fun of me for this all day long. Literally all my running friends, they're like, no, no, that's, that's a violation of some sort. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, I mean, I do it when I walk. I generally don't listen um, to things while I'm running, but I do, it's generally podcasts. So I totally, totally. I either listen, yeah, I either listen to nothing or it's my books and my podcast. And I'll literally look and see, okay, how long is this chapter or how long? And then I'll know, okay, if it's an hour That'll be a good time, you know, if it's, um, if it's a, an hour long podcast or a 40 minute podcast, I then kind of map out how many miles that will be. And then I'll think, okay, so maybe that'll be a good water break when I have to slow down to change the, that's awesome. Put the next one in, in my queue. Um, I got to wrap it back around. I just wanted to take that quick tangent cause I saw those and I definitely didn't want to let that go, but, uh, Real estate agents to me is something I bet I could like come up with some ideas of like what troubles they have as far as time management. But I am curious because I think this uncovers way different ways people handle them. Could you tell us like what are some some issues that you see when people come to you as real estate agents and say, man, I just really need some help. What are what are some of the stumbling blocks or things that are really messing them up? The biggest challenge that agents have is um asking, asking for a commitment and loyalty from their clients and explaining how the whole process works. Because, um, most, most agents, when they get started, they're working mostly with buyers. Um, because it's easy to find buyers. It's they, they it's a little bit mysterious how to find sellers. Um, so I guess that's another challenge, but when they're working with buyers, so a seller they're going to sign a contract with you and now you're their agent. So they can't disappear, but a buyer, there's two ways to work with a buyer. They don't have to sign a contract or they can. Um, and agents are, and, and then they can, they can look at a few houses with you and then go walk into an open house and buy from somebody else after you've invested time and energy. Agents are afraid to explain this to people and they're afraid to explain that we work a hundred percent on commission, a hundred percent. And for me, I learned very quickly just by having one or two people take up a lot of my time and then buy from someone else that, and, and good people. Right. And then when you go to follow up with them and they're like, Oh yeah, we already found something and they're excited. I'm going, okay, wait a minute. Yeah. This person, they don't know that they just stabbed me in the back that I, 
Like they literally just used up all that time. I just worked for free and it, and, and that it hurts. It's a, it's very, it's very, very emotional when you invest time and energy for somebody who hurt you that way. Um, and so I learned very quickly, the best way to protect myself was to explain to people how the process worked. That's when I learned that a lot of people, they know that we're on commission, but they think that the brokerage pays agents for showings or for something, you know, that there's some kind of base pay. And that's just not, that's not the way that it is. And agents are afraid to talk about money with people. They're afraid to tell them how we get paid. They're afraid, you know, they're afraid of that rejection. Whereas for me, I would rather get that rejection up front. If you're not going to buy a house for me, I want to know that now. Yeah. Not six months from now after I've run around and shown you a hundred houses. That is not when I want to find out that you're not working with me. Yeah. Or, and some people will have, you know, multiple agents that they work with. And so that's one thing I've talked with agents about is that like, is this exclusive? And they'll say, I think so. And I'm like, then it's not. It, that is no. It's either yes or no. And anything other than yes, I put in the no category. Have you had the conversation with them? Well, no, but they send me stuff. So if the client finds something on Zillow and sends it and says, hey, let's go see this, then the agent feels like, okay, I'm their agent. And so then I ask them, how many other agents did they send that to? And they kind of look at me and go, I never thought about that. Mm -hmm. If you don't ask, you don't know. And, if you, and, and I feel like it's our job to explain that to people. Um, just like in any other industry, I expect them to explain how whatever's wanted of me, they need to let me know that. Most, most people buy, what, one house every 10 years? They do not know. It's not the same as when you go into Nordstrom, you know, you know, okay, dress rooms are over there, get rung up over there. I don't need yeah. someone to stop me at the front door and be like, okay, so just so you know, you want to try something on, here's our process. Because I go shopping all the time. But if this is something that you do once every 10 years and entrepreneurs are a little bit more savvy, but people who have a job, which is basically somebody who can... Uh, not that entrepreneurs can't buy a house, right? But but most most people who can buy a house have a job. They get paid when they show up to work, whether they do a good job or not. So for for those people, it's kind of a weird concept that you could work and put energy out and not get paid for it. Yeah. Like that's a really weird concept. That is not the first thing that they think. So So agents struggle with, um, articulating that stuff and and it does impact their productivity because they end up spending a lot of time running around with people who are never gonna buy from them mm. so what would you then suggest like is it just the best to be totally upfront right from the start and just be like hey here's where we're at here's kind of what I expect you know and that's what I yes. would assume is yeah Yes. So again, back to the systems, right? Mm -hmm. Always have a system. So like I have a client intake and I have a system. I always sit down with people the very first time I meet them. So it might be, ideally it's in the office or at a coffee shop before we look at the first house, but it can be at the first house. Right. Mm -hmm. But I, when I'm talking to the person ahead of time, I always, when we set that appointment, I always say, great. Okay, so we can look at that house at noon. You know, I always like to sit down with my clients ahead of time, do a quick consultation. You know, we can meet at my office or there's a coffee shop nearby. 
you know, if we meet at say 11, 1130, and then we'll go to the house. Um, so you kind of have a script for that. Um, when people ask, well, can't we just meet at the, absolutely. But that's how you get the consultation at the house is by offering it somewhere else. And if the client says, let's, I don't ever offer the consultation at the house. I only do that if the client suggests it, but then the, the consultation has three parts, which the first part is establishing the client's needs, right? Because that's where that in their mind is what they're wanting of a consultation. Mm -hmm. The second part is explaining the process to them, which just dovetails nicely into then let me explain to you then as part of how this works, right? When you get to the very, the very last thing in the process is the day that you're handing them the key. And that's when all the money is dispersed. And that's actually when I get paid. So let me explain to you how that works. And the first thing I tell a client and when it comes to how we get paid, if it's a buyer client, at no point do you ever, you never have to write me a check. So there's no upfront cost or out of pocket expense. It's wrapped into the price of the home, right? So, and I explain, I don't make a dime until the day I'm handing you the keys. I get paid about two days after that. Yeah. And, and then people understand when you say, so it's really important to me. So something I ask of all my clients is that once we start this process together, that you're committed to finishing it with me. Yeah. And almost everyone that they almost always say, absolutely. Agents are afraid because when they don't know how to have that conversation and where the flow is. Yeah. It becomes scary to them because it's the unknown. Yeah. Well, even like you asked, it's like, so we just kind of just throw it out there. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, you don't, you don't throw it out there. Like, all right, I'm going to show you this house, but now I expect what you like. You, there's a, there's a way. And when you do it the same every time, if you start getting a weird result from someone, um, or consistently, then you start noticing, here's where I need to make a change in the process. Here's where I'm not articulating myself very clearly or where I'm not. And every once in a while, the, the thing is, the overwhelming majority of clients say, absolutely. Every once in a while, I will say exactly that to somebody and they would say, no way. Because if I find a for sale by owner or if I, you know, whatever, if you're not available, I'm buying that house. And, and that's an agent's biggest fear is what about that guy? Mm. Whereas when you really start protecting your time and thinking differently, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly who I want to find out. Yeah. Because, you want to disqualify up front. Yeah. Because then I just tell them best of, and here's the thing. The first time you hear that it's kind of offensive. Like, wait a minute, you understand I'm going to be working for, and they don't care. Like, and you just seem like such a nice person. Like the first time you hear it, but when you realize, so, so I have this concept of like leaning in, right? Leaning in to the bad things or the scary things. But when you really lean in, you go, you know, what? I don't need to be offended of that. That's totally fine. I just need to be protective of my time and know that this person, because almost every time, I mean, that's probably only happened three or four times in the 20 years that I sold real estate. Um, but every time it has, it's always been with someone who like, they seem like such a nice person and you're like, what? Like you never would have guessed. And, and so it's a gift that's like, wow, I would have I would have laid in front of a bus for this guy to then go buy a house from somebody else. Man. I'd rather find that out within 15 minutes in my office versus 
after, you know, giving up yeah. five Saturdays that I could have spent with my kid. Definitely. Definitely. No, that's good. And I think that goes back to what you're talking about and you've you know, said it several times, but having that process and making sure that you do it. Cause I'm sure for a lot of people like myself, if I was to try to, you know, do what you do or what, sorry, what you used to do, I would need that to remind myself to say, Hey, you got to take care of the scary part. Cause if you don't, it's going to come back and bite you in the ass and it's going to hurt a lot more down the road. Yeah. Like those scary things, like the barking dogs, they're not so scary if they're behind a fence. You know, I'm like, well, I want nothing to do with those people. And another thing agents ask, they're like, yeah, but what if they buy? Cause I've even gone so far as maybe we're having a consultation. So the plan is we're going to have this consultation. And we're going to look at the house at noon, but then you just told me that no, we're and, and so I have done it before where then I'm like, okay, well, good luck. And then we don't go see the house. I just call the listing agent and say, especially if it's a vacant house and like homeowners, if homeowners have left so we can show it out of respect to them, I'm probably going to still go. But if it was like a vacant, I'm just going to call the listing agent and cancel. I don't need to go show it, which yeah. people are like, oh my, but I'm like, but he just, they just confirmed they're not a client. I don't owe them any, they're, they're not interested in being my client, but they can go say, I don't care how they get into that house. They're not my client. And Agents that are like, well, what if, what if that was the one that they bought? It's like, it's usually not. It's usually, not. That, <laughs> it's not. It's and if it was, then that's fine too. I've already, because when you have these boundaries, then you're not so desperate for that next deal. When you start having these boundaries, then you almost you go from you know going from the roller coaster where you have anywhere from zero to three, and at three you're kind of maxed out because you're spinning. To now you always have eight or nine in escrow. So what if that was the one? I don't care. You can go buy it. I don't want him as a client. Yep. Like I just don't want him as a client, even if this was the house. And then so I am actually because it's not about it's not about the money and am I going to get paid? This person doesn't respect my time. I don't want to spend the next thirty to forty five days going through escrow with him. I don't want him. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, I've, we've got just time for a couple more questions, but I think this next one I'm going to ask you is probably going to go back to exactly what you're talking about, but basically like what can make a big impact people, not just real estate agents, but running a small business or consulting um, that would help them stop the roller coaster or the boom or bust cycle, you know, whatever you, however people are yes. to hear this. Yeah. So the biggest thing is remembering, like we talked about earlier, when you're a business owner, your number one job is getting more clients. It's not the thing that you, the, the thing that you do, right? If you sell kayaks, selling kayaks isn't, it's the clients, getting more clients. You're a bakery. So remembering that and that that's your one thing that cannot be moved because when people when people lose sight of that, or they just don't know that, right? If they think as a real estate agent, my job is to sell a house. No, your job is to get clients to sell houses too. Um, but what happens is they start prospecting, they get the clients. Now they spend all of their energy servicing those clients. And then as soon as those deals close, they need to go back out and get more, more clients. And so they're constantly starting over and that's the boom bust or the the, what I call the cash flow roller coaster. Mm -hmm. And so as a business owner, when you say my job is to get more clients, then as soon as you get to a point where the business is so busy that you don't have time for, for the prospecting, or you think you don't have time for the prospecting when you say, okay, nope, that's my primary job. That's my one thing that I will not that I will not violate when you start feeling the pressure to not do it, you need to look at the other things you're doing and go, okay, first is how can I better organize this? But then second is what can I delegate? 
because just because something needs to be done doesn't mean it needs to be done by you. It still needs to be done and it needs to be done well, but I don't need to put the lock boxes on all of my listings. I don't need to put the booty boxes out. Like I do not need to deliver the flyers. All of those things I can have other people do. I don't even need to show all the houses. I can have somebody else show houses for me, you know, as long as it's another agent. So looking at your business and saying, gee, of all the things that I could delegate, which of the, which do I like the least? Cause those will be the first things off my plate so that I can protect this time. Or what's the one thing that's, that's getting in the way of this and protecting that prospecting time. Um, and I feel so strongly about that, that there's even, I talk about it in my book, Mm -hmm. And in almost any class I teach, even if it's not on productivity, but what I tell agents is that your job literally is prospecting. And any day that you didn't prospect, that was a day off. So I have agents that I coach and they'll tell me all the things they did. Did you get any prospecting done? That was a day off. But I wrote an offer. I took a new listing. All things, doesn't matter. That's a day off. Um, and even so far, so what happens once they get busy, they stop prospecting for a lot of days. Mm, yeah. When you string many days off in a row, what is that? It's a vacation. That is a vacation. Your <laughs> vacations should be spent drinking something sweet out of a coconut somewhere, not running around with your clients, listing a house. Yep. Oh, That's I love that. I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to totally use that. I love that. Amy. <laughs> totally. You can even use my favorite line, which is drinking something sweet out of a coconut somewhere. <laughs> oh, that's just, awesome. And I love telling people, this sounds like a terrible vacation. You listed a house and did paperwork and wrote a repair addendum. It's the worst vacation ever. <laughs> yeah. It oh, sounds yeah. okay. like work. We got time for one more. Um, and I want to ask you this is I'm not going to restrict this to books. Uh, this is what I used to ask. But uh, what book or, uh, movie or documentary or any piece of media do you recommend the most to people right now? Oh, I know. And I can't recommend mine because that would be cheating. <laughs> Not going to say no, but good choice. <laughs> no, that would be so tacky. And that's actually, I feel like there, there are more powerful. The one um, book that I recommend most, well, there's always the classic Think and Grow Rich. Mm -hmm. Um which I feel uh, is a good one. And the, the documentary that I recommend is called The Push. And it's... Yeah, uh, what's that about? I'm not, I don't, I'm not familiar. So the premise is how far can we push someone? Um, and it, it deals a lot with psychology and... Um, uh, marketing hmm. that basically the, the premise is to see if in 90 minutes they can um, convince someone to commit murder. Wow. And it is shocking how many times they're successful versus how many times they're not. Um, when, when you get sucked into it, it's pretty, it's, it's a pretty powerful um, just about the way our minds work. Wait, can I cheat and give you one other documentary? Yeah. Well, we'll yeah. One more. Um, is it called the void? I think it's called, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's called the void or into the void, which is another, it, that, that's, um, that's, that's more yeah, about perseverance. This is about like 
kind of like staring into the abyss type of a thing? No, Into the Void is, um, is that what it, oh. Oh, I'm gonna be so embarrassed if I look this up later and I got it wrong. But essentially, they, um, they, two guys climbing, you know, a giant mountain. It's not Mount Everest, but it's like that same type of thing. But one of them um, breaks his leg and, and he falls down like a crevasse. And mm-hmm. so the other guy thinks that he died um, and he didn't. You know, you know at the beginning of the movie that he didn't. So that doesn't ruin anything because he's one of the people telling this story. But when you do these, these kinds of things, you, you never leave a man out there. Um, except he legitimately thought that his friend, or no, I think he knew that he was alive at the bottom of the, but the guy was like, there's no way I could, like, you have to go back. So it's just, it's this, this grueling story as the guy actually crawls out of the crevasse and how he makes it back and how he makes it back to base camp where all of his friends are. Like it's the, the story of perseverance is, it's amazing. It's one of those things that you just go, wow. And when you're facing difficult times, you realize I do not have it that bad. (laughs) Yes, we're quarantined. Yes, a lot of the activities we normally do are shut down. But people have overcome way worse things than than what we're dealing with um, right now. That's for sure. And yeah, I would imagine just any other day too. Yeah, so... Well, cool. Amy, thank you so much for uh, coming on. I really appreciate you sharing so much and thank you so much for your time. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, well, so where can people go uh, find out more about you and find out what you're working on? Yes, well, the best place is just to go, to go um, check out my book, which is Get Off the Cash Flow Roller Coaster. So if they go to getoffthecashflowrollercoaster.com, I know that's a mouthful, mm-hmm. but it's Get Off the Cash Flow Roller Coaster. Dot com. Um, they can download a free copy of my book and they can register for um, my webinar on digital marketing secrets for real estate agents. Um, they can follow me on Facebook. Sounds good. Well, they've got a bunch of choices, so I'll put that in the show notes as well. So anybody looking, you'd be able to find that if you're listening to this or checking it out on the blog. So go check it out. And Amy, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Real World Productivity Podcast. If you know someone that would enjoy this episode, please grab the link and send it via email, message, or whatever means works best. Now, if you're looking for more ways to increase your productivity, time management, and team building skills, be sure to go to productivity.academy resources to find out what tools, cheat sheets, and services can get you started and make the most impact right now. For those who want to make fast changes and want to save dozens of hours, I highly recommend joining the 14-Day Productivity Foundation Challenge at productivity.academy slash foundation challenge. This 14-day challenge takes minutes per day, but will help you develop or improve your daily review to get more done with less distractions and loss of focus. You'll also get over-the-shoulder directions for setting up an automation to save dozens of hours and the process for deciding what else you should automate and how to do it. And if you're serious about continuous improvement and you know that productivity, time management, and team building will impact every area of your personal and professional life, join us in the Growth Automation Membership. Find out more at productivity.academy slash join.